You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Slash Home Daily for Monday, August 22nd, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Writer and Box Office Analyst Ryan Scott. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Uh, so this weekend, you were super excited for this film, Beast. Uh, did you actually go out and see it? I most definitely did, Peter. Uh, first thing <laughs> I did Friday night as soon as I got out of work was uh, me and a few friends went, and um, I... God, did I have a good time. I'm not saying it was the best movie I've seen all year. I'm saying it is one of the best times I've had in a theater all year. Uh, it is it is an absolute blast. It was everything that I wanted out of it. Um, it was a very good theater movie. A lot of like crowd reaction and stuff. It's a hell of a good time. And I just wish that it made a little bit more money. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you enjoyed it, Ryan. But uh, is the studio enjoying it? You said it, it didn't do that well. Well, it didn't do. Okay. So like, here's the thing. I, I look again, I am no marketing genius. Having seen the movie, it is ostensibly a monster movie where like the lion is the monster. Um, I think they probably could have marketed it more for the horror audience. Maybe throw a little bit of red lettering on that poster. And I think maybe you might've done a little better if you had pivoted in the marketing, I think they were kind of going for like more of a mainstream audience. And I think that might have been a miss. But in any event, uh, the movie as it exists debuted at number two 
with 11.5 million this weekend. The kind of big surprise, but also should not be surprising at this point, is that Dragon Ball Super Superhero, a uh, new anime film in the Dragon Ball Z franchise, topped the charts at 20.1 million. So it oh, made wow. almost twice as much as Beast. And, you know, for mainstream audiences, this isn't even on people's radar. You know, so, um, you know, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, but again, this happened with Juju Kaitsen. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. And then Dragon Slayer. But these are like, you know, several big anime movies that have opened over the last year and change in North America and have done very well. Now, they're likely to drop off the charts within a week or whatever. But the fact is that you're serving an underserved audience and bringing a new type of movie that can do well for you, you know, which is good. That offers like new options. My thing is that there's clearly room for more right now. August to September are pretty bare. And, you know, when a movie like Dragon Ball can come in and open and win the weekend, when I think those people would have showed up no matter what, it, it, it indicated to me there was room for maybe another big release this weekend and probably next weekend. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, w watch out. The 2023 August calendar is going to be filled with movies because I'm sure all of Hollywood is taking that lesson. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> I actually, th well, I would think so. I think the thing is a lot of time, a lot of what happened this year is there were still some conservative thinking about we didn't know what the summer movie season was going to look like. We didn't know how so well the box office was going to rebound. And I think the rebound has been much better than people expected in a lot of ways. So I think like next year, yeah, this is going to get adjusted. And I think I don't think you're going to see as many holes left on the calendar next year because that's very obvious right now. Like, it's so obvious that there's room for more right now. And yeah. so I think I, I would like to think that studios are not stupid and they're seeing this and, you know, there's room for stuff right now. Yeah. And that beast number is actually not that bad because that film has a reported budget of 36 million. No, it's not terrible. So be so beast overall is at twenty one point eight. Uh, it opened in a, a decent chunk of international markets. So you got to figure at 36 million, if it can get to like a hundred million worldwide, you know, it could yeah. be okay. A universe, one of universal's distribution chiefs came out and had some optimistic quote about it, but of course he did. They're not going to say anything, <laughs> you know, negative, but I don't know. I, I just think it was a lot more fun. Uh, and I think there's a lot, there's a bigger audience out there that would enjoy this. And I, and I just think that, and it also sucks because Idris Elba's the lead here and he hasn't he's he's often been a part of ensembles. And so, like, he hasn't had the chance to, like, open a movie on his own, really. And so it's kind of a bummer that, you know, the first time he kind of did it, it didn't really pan out like great. It, it yeah. panned out OK, but not great. I do have a feeling that this is the kind of movie that will do well in VOD. It will. And I believe that. So I don't think it's going to be like a loser for Universal, but I yeah. think it had the potential to be like a big winner. And I just think it might have required a slight pivot in the marketing. Yeah. And uh, we also have some other notable box office news. Top Gun Maverick has passed another milestone. Yeah. So looking at the at this point now, we're just how far can it go up the worldwide box office charts? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and it's uh, in its. <laughs> And it's 13th weekend. Um, Top Gun That's Maverick. Insane. It is insane. Uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, is now at $1.403 billion worldwide, which puts it at number 12, just past Avengers Age of Ultron, which is nuts. Uh, the, the next thing it could do is uh, Frozen 2 uh, is above it at $1.45 billion. Just a reminder to everyone out there, Frozen 2 made so much money. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's so that's really... I, the question I got earlier was 
could it get to the top 10 all time? And that would require it getting past Furious 7, which is well over 1.5 billion. I don't know if that's in sight, but either way, this is a remarkable run. Yeah. Well, the other notable thing is it comes out on streaming tomorrow, I think. Right. So and then you have the Blu-ray release that follows. I think I really think we're kind of toward the end of its run here. And and again, Paramount has no reason but to do anything but celebrate and absolutely beg Tom Cruise to do Top Gun 3. Those are the only things on the to-do list. <laughs> okay. There was a, a weird news story that came out this weekend. And I, I saw it in a stream of press releases from this company, this video game company Embracer. Which they're honestly, not technically a video game company. Uh, I, I what think are that they? was they're they're more of like what you would call like I mean they have a lot of investments in video games, but they're more of just like an investment strategy group where they'll like invest in things that you know just like could make them money. It's more of like a it's more of just like a like an yeah it's more of like a, an investment holdings group is more of what it is is my understanding. Well, I think it was on Friday or Saturday they there was like the stream of of press releases of all these things this company bought yep. like in like one follow swoop and one of those things uh i i think the probably the most notable for us oh by far <laughs> is they have acquired middle earth enterprises and now hold the rights to the lord of the rings trilogy the hobbit uh this includes uh quote key upcoming work set in middle earth in which Middle-Earth Enterprises has financial interests, includes the much-heralded Amazon series, The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which will premiere on September 2nd, uh, which is set thousands of years before The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Lord of the uh, the animated uh, and the, that's up for release 2024 in the mobile game, the Lord of the Rings Heroes of Middle Earth from Electronic Arts. But also they are exploring opportunities that include additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, uh, Aragon, Gollum, from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien, and continue to provide new opportunities for fans to explore the fictional world through merchandising and other experiences. Uh, This is crazy because I'm guaranteeing you this means that we're going to get like, you know, Gandalf, Gandalf Begins, the movie. Yeah, no, we're going to get all kinds of stuff. Well, because this it had been reported several months ago that the rights were kind of up for sale, and it was fully expected that someone like Amazon or Netflix or a big studio was going to land these rights and in Swoop's Embracer Group, which, you know, they now kind of hold the keys because they would essentially probably partner with a studio so they can kind of dangle the carrot now and get what they want out of it, which is kind of an interesting thought. Yeah, and... um what so this swedish company already owns uh like video game companies gearbox and thq nordic yep. and uh, uh earlier this year they purchased several studios and properties from square enix including they, they bought dark horse comics which was a bit you know so so they yeah. they're, they're they're going after ip is what they're doing yeah so this is a company that you're gonna want to keep in your rolodex uh, in, in your head rolodex because it seems like they're gonna be one to watch in the next you know decade plus oh yeah because again like dark horse was a big you know that's when i first learned of these people because dark horse was a big acquisition because dark horse is one of the bigger comic companies out there that has a lot of stuff that hasn't been mined so i mean that's a big deal and one of the interesting things though is that like there it doesn't it isn't clear how the movie rights sort of work out because like warner brothers still is making that animated movie 
but it's not clear how this sale is going to impact that or like any future. Mm -hmm. So like some of this stuff hasn't really been worked out. And another interesting thing that was sort of revealed once this happened was that uh, the the uh, Saul Zance, I think was his name, who originally had kind of acquired a number of the rights to Tolkien's works in 76. Uh, there was an original deal with him uh, that had left out a little loophole in the TV rights clause that it left out the rights to produce a TV show more than eight episodes long. So that is why Amazon was able to negotiate with the Tolkien estate for the oh. rings of power. But that's also why they had to commit to a two season order before they even launched because they had to get around that loophole. So that's kind of interesting in terms of that. But again, I don't know what this means for that show beyond those two seasons. Now, I do not know if Amazon now has the option for the third or if they have to go with Embracer if they want to do more. So, you know, there's some complicated stuff here in terms of what this means in the immediate future. Yeah, so I think we're going to see more Lord of the Rings movies. We're going to see more TV shows. We're going to see more video games, definitely. Um, the, the one thing I'm most interested in, you, you know, Ryan, I am a theme park geek. And for many years, they have there's been rumors that Universal Studios, you know, they, they have turned the Harry Potter into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, like in multiple theme parks. There's been many rumors that they have wanted to make a deal for Lord of the Rings and, you know, bring Lord of the Rings to a park. And even most recently, like I, I think last week, there was rumors that uh, they're building a third or I guess fourth park in Orlando, which is going to be opening in a couple of years. And there's a big expansion pad on that park. And the rumor is that they might uh, be in talks to, uh, you know, get Hobbiton or something like that for that expansion pad. So I, I think this new deal, <laughs> the, the, these people are probably, I'm guessing, I, I'm going to, I'm going to strike a guess. I'm guessing that they're more willing to, to, you know, sign on dotted line and, and make money. Well, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of like an investment group like this is that their whole point is we acquire things that can make us money. Like it's the same reason that a lot of (laughs) artists have been selling their music catalog rights to like big investment firms because investment firms see though like music licensing as a big way to make money in the future. So that's why some of the stuff is happening. So, you know, Embracer. Yeah, you're not wrong. They're 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 a name you're going to need to know because, you know, a lot of I'd be curious, though. If Warner Brothers doesn't come knocking to see if they can work out some larger deal just because they already have like the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings movies. And I think that they would rather add value to that catalog rather than lose it entirely. So I think it might end up being sort of a war between like Amazon and Warner Brothers to to sort of partner with Embracer on these future projects. Yeah, so maybe it'll be like a team up like with what what happened with like Legendary over at... uh... Was that Universal or was that uh, Legendary? Legendary had, I, I believe they started their deal at Warner yeah. Brothers and then shifted to Universal. Was that what happened? I know they shifted at one point. Yeah, something. It's those two companies. I forget the order, but that sounds about right. Okay, anyways, uh, l- l- let's move on. I'm sure we're going to talk about Embracer <laughs> a lot in the future. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Cobra Kai. Have you ever seen Cobra Kai, Ryan? No, so this is one of those things. I have no connection to Karate Kid whatsoever. Like, I've seen the original movie. I don't care very much, so I haven't watched Cobra Kai, but I know people love it. Ryan, knowing you and your movie tastes and, like, just your entertainment tastes, I feel like you would so enjoy it, even if you didn't. I mean, you would have to go revisit the original Karate Kid to 
get yeah, into people it. Have told, people have told me this, but now that we're almost five seasons in, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. <sighs> you, you would so much enjoy this. Okay, well, anyways, the Cobra Cry cre- creators are looking for another franchise to build a spinoff movie or TV series. And uh, Ryan, tell us about this one. Yeah, so this broke on Friday, and this was a little unexpected. Um, a little, the, a little, <laughs> little. Well, well, in some, let, 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 give me, give me a second. We'll get there. Uh, so, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the John Hughes classic from 1986, is now getting a spinoff film. It is in direct. It is in. Um, it is in. Uh, in the works wait, wait, of Paramount. Wait, wait, pause for a second here, Ryan. Ferris Bueller. Now, if you came to me, Ryan, on Friday before this news broke, and you're like. Okay, they're going to be making a spinoff movie from Ferris Bueller. Name the character that they're going to uh, yeah, be spinning off. I know, I know. And I, if I listed 10 characters, it would not be one of those 10 characters. It would not. Uh, this is a kind of unique idea. I'm sort of setting aside my personal feelings here and laying <laughs> out information for you. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Cobra Kai creators, uh, jo- uh, John Hurwitz, Hayden Schlossberg, and Joss Heald, are producing something called Sam and Victor's Day Off. It is a movie in the works at Paramount Pictures, not a show. Uh, so mind you, this is the same group behind Cobra Kai, a show that was spun off from an 80s classic that has become very successful. So you kind of get it. Uh, plus, Paramount recently had a huge hit with an 80s sequel, Top Gun Maverick. So I, I kind of get it. But... Uh, who the hell are Sam and Victor? Well, if you remember, uh, <laughs> in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, there is the the valets that take Cameron's uh, dad's Ferrari for like a joyride after they park it. And that adds a bunch of miles to the odometer. We never really know where they went, but that ends up creating a huge headache for Cameron. Well, the idea is that this movie is going to show us that joyride that those two valets went on. And um, yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of the pitch here. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. Like if you had told me that they were making a spinoff TV series from Karate Kid, uh, you know, following Johnny and honestly, when it was announced, I was like, this is a bad idea, but at least there's, I feel like there's more, (laughs) there's more juice to grind from, from that apple. Than there is, do you know what I mean? Like there's, I don't know what kind of connective tissue, what kind of, I mean, I like the idea of some valets that, you know, steal a car and go on a joyride. Like that, that's a cool idea, but like, does it really need to be a Ferris Bueller spinoff? Like what, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I, look, here's the thing. I think I completely see on paper why Paramount does this. Top Gun just did huge, 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 huge business as an 80, as an 80s classic. You have the Cobra Kai guys who have proven they can do this. I don't think the Cobra Kai guys would have went in there and pitched this if they didn't think they had a good idea. You know what I mean? Like they they have too much good clout right now to like ruin that. Um, so you got to imagine that like that, that some something someone said in that pitch meeting resonated. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird idea. But at the same time, like. Everyone, I feel like, would be rolling their eyes just as much if they're like, we're doing a Ferris Bueller sequel with, like, Ferris kids getting a day off or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, no one's going to love this idea outright. Like, they're all going to roll their eyes at it. So, like, I don't know. I at least sort of like, well, this is kind of weird. Maybe they do have an interesting take. Well, the question the other question is, how do you title it, Ryan? Like, without it being the ridiculous, you know, they already the have Avengers the of. No, they already. Oh. It's Sam and Victor's Day Off is what they're calling it. 
Oh, okay. Actually, that's brilliant. Okay. Yeah. So, like, because the there's the valets didn't even have names in the movie, so they're giving them names now. <laughs> I mean, I would like to think that the Cobra Kai creators might be the next like Lord and Miller. That might be giving them way too much credit. But like, you know, I'm just saying from the perspective of the idea of Cobra Kai being on paper seemed like a horrible idea. The idea yeah, Lord this, and Miller have done that a few times now. I know what you're getting at, where they take yeah. things that don't seem like good ideas and then turn them into good ideas. Yeah, I, I don't think I love Cobra Kai. I'm a huge fan of Cobra Kai. I can't wait for the upcoming season. I don't think that uh, these filmmakers are as good of writers or directors as Lord and Miller. And I think they would probably even admit that. Um, but the, their stuff is still very, very, very enjoyable. I mean, to the point that I'm, you know, counting the days. So uh, I don't know. I, uh, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, with most things, I take a wait and see approach. You know what I mean? Yeah. I try not to, there's no reason to get judgy. Cause again, like, the Lego movie sounded like a terrible idea. Delightful. 21 Jump Street reboot sounds like yeah. a bad idea. Delightful. Cobra Kai sounds like a bad idea. Great. Sometimes this stuff works out. You know what I mean? So like you just I, I get it. Like this sounds weird. It sounds like like exploiting IP. It sounds like exploiting John Hughes classic. I get it. But who knows? It honestly sounds like a better idea for a TV series. Like I'd like to follow a bunch of like valets who, you know, steal like expensive cars like once a night and go off on adventures i don't know like i know you're more of the movie guy but it, it I, I just don't get the idea for the movie well but, okay i mean they added a lot of miles to that odometer so what the hell happened you know who did yeah. what did what crazy adventures did they get into i mean you could easily capture that same spirit and plus it kind of like drops you into that same infamous day but because you're following other people you don't really have to stress about recasting like iconic roles and stuff like that. So I do get the appeal of it on that front. Wait, do you think it's going to be a thing where we end up seeing some of the events from the original movie from a different perspective? Their I, perspective? I think that would definitely be like a way to go about it for sure. Mm. Um, uh, maybe, but again, who knows? They, I mean, they drove, they didn't, they didn't keep the car in town. I don't think so. Like, again, I do, I have no idea, but that's one way to go about it for sure. I mean, knowing these directors, they very much are like fan servicey kind of guys uh, with Cobra Kai. They, they, so I, I'm expecting there's going to be that take where they're like they're stuck in the. Wait, did they have the car at the point? No, they didn't. At the point where they're in like the parade. Well, yeah, because isn't that when because they dropped it off like before that, right? I haven't seen the movie in a minute, but I think yeah, like, I, I believe they have it at that point. Oh, okay. So I was going to say I could see them being like stuck in the parade too or something like that. Right. But, but that's like, okay, whether or not, but that's like something you could do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about movie pass. This is something we've talked about in the past. I, I believe Ryan, you were a big fan of movie pass. I was a big fan of movie pass when it first came out. I saw a lot of movies for a low price uh, from this company, but this company did not, you know, they, their, their business plan was pretty bad. It was basically get a lot of customers and then hope that they would have so many customers that they could leverage it against the exhibitors and movie uh, distributors into getting better deals. And that did not happen. And then they, you know, went up in, in flames. Well, they are coming back. I'm going to read from the press release here. We are so excited to announce that we are beginning our launch sequence to bring back, bring MoviePass back. For those of you who don't know, MoviePass was 
sold back in 2017 to a private equity group and due to mismanagement subsequently closed its doors. Last year, I, one of the original founders, brought the company back and planned to relaunch it. Time Magazine did a great piece that does a wonderful job explaining blah, blah, blah. Uh, it goes on and on. But basically what you need to know here is we will begin relaunching the service beginning Labor Day, September 5th. But prior to that, we are opening up our wait list to, for you to be able to join. Being on the wait list will be the only way to, you'll be able to sign up for service in the foreseeable future. This Thursday, August 25th, we will open the wait list at 9 a.m. at moviepass.com. There's no cost to join the wait list. Space is limited, blah, blah, blah. I went to the website, Brian, so we don't have much details on this. We know there's going to be multiple levels for passes. Yeah, there will uh, be a 10 and 20 and $30 tier that will give you a certain number of credits. So it's not going to be unlimited like it was before. Yeah, and we also know there <laughs> Yeah, so we don't know how many credits, how many movies that equals, more details to come, the website says. And we also know that uh markets will be launched in waves. So the launch determination will be weighed on the level of engagement from the waitlist in each market as the locations of ex exhibition partners. Uh I <laughs> well, what do you what do you make of this, Ryan? Like, uh, is there a way for a third party company? To, by the way, I w actually, before I ask you that, I want to say that I I believe MoviePass was a disruptor. Like, they disrupted the movie business, and there's almost every single movie theater chain has their own program that basically subsedes what MoviePass was doing, and that would not exist, in my opinion, if it wasn't for MoviePass coming out. So I think even though they went up in flames and they were run by bad people, uh, they, they, you know, incredibly changed the, the future of movie going in the theater. That said, Ryan, what do you think of this? Um, I think it makes everybody's sense for them to try to relaunch, but it almost does seem like Napster trying to come back as a legitimate music service after they sort of set the music industry on fire. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I will see. Like, I, I think that, cause again, I think we've proven like, cause I, I use the Alamo draft house as one. I pay 20 bucks every month and I can go see a movie a day at Alamo draft house. Like, I love that. I absolutely love it. It's great. And like, I just pay a $2 service fee for each ticket I buy. So it's not that bad. It's great. As often as I go to the movies, it's super worth it. Um, there was yeah, one, like, there was we, like we, a we... glorious summer with movie pass. It was great when it worked, <laughs> but the problem is like the business model was for those that don't know movie passes business models. So the nine 99 a month unlimited movie things was stupid as hell because movie pass, because they didn't officially partner with like, the theaters or studios they were paying full price for every ticket they sold so i don't know how the hell they ever expected to become profitable it was stupid as hell um i mean so they, they expect they expected someday to get like a cheaper price from amc you know amc would be like every movie that you use movie pass through the movie pass company here will give you half price yeah i think they were just expecting that maybe they would drive enough traffic that but but i mean in the meantime they were just like unloading millions of dollars like it was so stupid um yeah. This time around, we're like, if you weigh out the credits versus the dollars earned versus this, that, whatever, like, yeah, okay, I can maybe see this being, there's a way to do this, but I think, and I think the thing is, depending on how flexible it is, because my thing is I can, like, only go to the Alamo Draft House right now. I typically prefer to go to the Alamo Draft House, but if they, but if I could go to other movie theaters and the pricing worked out and it was, like, enough movie credits a month, who knows, maybe Movie Pass would work better for me. I don't know.
Um, I felt a little burned by the end of it last time, but we'll see. Like, it, it, there's there's very much a version of this that works. It's just a matter of like, yes, AMC has their own version of this. The Draft House has their version of this. Regal has their version of this. Uh, even uh, Cinemark has a pretty terrible version of theirs. Like, you know, there's... Uh, the, so it, can they compete with other theater chains doing this now? I don't know. Yeah, see, you have the Alamo Draft House version of this. I have the AMC version of this. So I have more incentive to want to join a service. They're claiming that this new service will work in any, or actually it says, I'm going to quote, will feature all major theaters that accept major credit cards in the U.S., so th it sounds like they're doing the same thing they did last time where your MoviePass card is essentially a credit card and MoviePass foots the bill. But that's why they're limiting it this time. And I think that this time they're, they're trying to go for the same thing you're, you said is that they're going to hope to eventually drive enough traffic to partner with people, but they're just not going to like set their accounts on fire in the meantime. It still still seems like kind of a maybe bad idea, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I get incredible value for my AMC A-list. I don't love AMC, but when I go and use my A-list, 95% of the time, I'm able to pick an IMAX or a, I'm not sure if you know what AMC Prime is or Adobe Cinema, but like, it's like in amazing, like, you know, recliners, 4K projection, you know, it's, it's an incredible experience. It's not the normal AMC, you know, fast food movie theater experience. Um, you still have to go through, you know. <laughs> that, that experience at the concession and, and stuff like that. But um, I would love to be able to go, you know, uh, I mean, Arclight kind of went under here in LA during the pandemic, uh, but they're, you know, bringing back the Cinerama Dome. They're, they're, they're coming back. I'd love to go to like theaters like that. There's a lot of great movie theaters in LA that I can't go to with the AMC A-list. And I would love to, but I'm not sure that what kind of deal can they offer me that would make me cancel my AMC A-list. And I don't think there is a deal. I don't even use AMC A-list on multiple movies a week usually. I usually see one movie a week, maybe two. I don't know what... What kind of deal could they offer you, Ryan, that you would consider canceling your Alamo Draft House thing? It would be a matter of, okay, like if the service works well... <laughs> then and and if it is not restricted, if I can go to Cinemark, if I could go to there's a really cool like independent theater out here downtown in Austin called the Violet Crown, which I like quite a bit sometimes. Um, if I could go to like an IMAX every once in a while, because there's like a couple of so like if if maybe at that 20 or 30 dollar tier, if it was enough movies a month, maybe let's say five movies a month, uh, five or, you know, five because I'd want to make sure I have enough for like a busy month or something. And it was yeah. like truly easy to use, just as easy as my Alamo Drafthouse one, but it had more flexibility Then maybe. But they got to earn me back because the thing is, they were so bad last time around that like, it, you know, because the Drafthouse one is great. It works. You know, I have zero complaints. It's wonderful. So, you know, I, I you know, we'll see. Yeah, they they were also doing shady things for like heavy users would uh, like their things would stop working and oh yeah know, by it, the it was, end it was, by the end it was triage because they were losing so much money like it was i mean they were bleeding you know it was like that, that they knew they were going down so they they had to do shady shit just to kind of keep the doors open for another day 
okay, it wouldn't be a Ryan and Peter episode of the uh, Slash Home Daily if we weren't going to go over time. So we're, we're going over time here. We're going to be brief on this last story. Uh, National Treasure 3, is it going to happen, Ryan? Uh, are you asking for me to put Vegas odds on it or tell you what the news says? <laughs> well, tell us what the news is and then you could go to the Vegas odds. All right. Uh, so, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, uh, uh, mega producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, who I can add is a very nice man. I got to interview him once. Uh, he was speaking with uh, comicbook.com recently cause Top Gun Mavericks hitting home video and, uh, was asked about national treasure three. As we know, there is a national treasure TV show in the works for Disney plus, Catherine Zeta-Jones part of it. It's going to be in the same universe, but it Nick Nicholas Cage is not in it. We do not have one Mr. Benjamin Gates in this show. Uh, so uh, Bruckheimer said, we, we are working on the script right now. Hopefully Cage likes it, but it's really good. So I think we'll get it to him shortly. So despite the show being in the works, they are still working on a script for the movie. Uh, and, and they're planning to get this in Nicholas Cage's hands in the not too distant future. So I've, the the, mo- the movie's I've, not dead. That's the main thing. <laughs> I've interviewed Jerry Bruckheimer so many times, more times than I can count over the last 15 years, Ryan, on movie sets, at junkets. Every single time I ask him this question, every single time he like he makes it sound like it's going to happen. Like, oh, we have this great script. We're just getting it over to the studio now. Do you think this is <laughs> another case of that? I mean, it could be. But, but, you know, it, it, it definitely, like, I mean, he said stuff like this in the past, but at the same time, like, Nicolas Cage is kind of having a bit of a renaissance right now. So, like, if you ever were going to do it, and there's kind of that generational nostalgia concept where it's been just long enough where, like, there's some nostalgia the show could almost maybe work to tee up the movie. I do feel like there are some pieces moving around the board that make this slightly more possible than maybe it was even two or three years ago. Yeah. I think the Disney Plus of it all also... Well... I, I don't think that you would make a movie this expensive just for Disney Plus. I think you would maybe do a theatrical release for this. Oh, I'm yes, you do theatrical, but I'm just saying, like you know, they're doing this TV series. It's kind of you know synergy in a way. If you want to oh. get people to Disney Plus, yes, totally, yes, yes, and see the previous films. Like I don't know, I feel like there's like a whole new component now that they have the streaming service that in the way they make decisions on what movies they're going to make well yeah because especially because the show is like directly tied to the movies because like justin bartha's reprising his role like but you know so like there's always a chance they could do some like post-credit scene in the show that like tees up the movie you know what i mean like there's totally an opportunity for that okay we've reached the end of today's podcast you can find more of all of our work at slashroom.com you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps Please feel free to send your feedback, question, comments, concerns to us at peter.slashfilm.com. And please write and read this podcast in Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.